Hi, I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in San Diego. Thank you so much for watching today. If you'd like to support the work that we do here, please consider making a contribution. Go to our website. It's easy to do. Thank you in advance for that contribution. We can be so wrong. We can make so many mistakes. We can be so wrong. The year was 2009, and a somewhat heavyset, middle-aged woman, about 48 years old, walked on stage. She had a dream to be a singer. In fact, she wanted to sing when asked. She wanted to be a singer like Elaine Page. The show was Britain's Got Talent, and the woman was Susan Boyle. She didn't look anything at all like someone that has the voice that she has, at least not by the stereotypes that we often have of what success looks like. But man, could that woman sing. But when she stepped on that stage because of the way that she looked, very, very plain, kind of awkward, kind of just odd in, in many ways, the judges all looked at her with distaste. In fact, they, they rolled their eyes, some of the audience, when the cameras panned them and Susan Boyle was saying that she wanted to be a singer like Elaine Page. They just rolled their eyes and kind of laughed until the soundtrack came on and she sang, I she sang the song, I Have a Dream, from Les Mis. Her voice filled that auditorium. Her presence was as large as the room itself. And the whole audience erupted in cheers. I watched that episode again this morning and, and last night so that it would be more fresh in my mind. And it brought emotion to me, just like it did the very first time. And it brought emotion, not just because she sings so powerfully and beautifully, and she was singing from, from her heart, and you knew she was singing about her dream and what, what she wanted, but it brought me to a place of emotion because it made me realize that myself and all of us can so easily be prone to judge another by appearances. In fact, a friend and colleague of mine, Peter Boland, wrote an article right after she won that, that episode of uh, Britain's Got Talent. He wrote an article titled, Why Susan Boyle Matters. And it kind of pointed to this idea of the importance of transcending our tendency to judge one another by appearances. Drawing conclusions based on appearances can lead us to making some very, <clears throat> some very, very big mistakes. It's what Jesus was teaching when he said he was being questioned, his authority was being questioned and challenged, and he replied, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. Now, notice he doesn't say, don't judge at all. He says, don't judge by appearances. I wish he could tell us, or had told us more clearly, how to make right judgment. He tells us what's not right 
to do it by appearances because appearances are misleading, aren't they? We can be so wrong. We can get so much wrong when we judge by appearances. I want to share a few ideas with you this morning about why appearances are so deceiving. And I ask you to join me in just a very honest inner observation. This isn't about what other people do. It's about a willingness to look more deeply inside ourselves and, and to ask, if I had been in that audience, would I, have <clears throat> would I have responded and thought the same thing that the bulk of the audience thought when Susan Boyle came on the stage? Would I have made a quick snap judgment based on her appearance that no way was this woman ever going to be a famous star? What is it? She sold over 20 million records already or, or CDs. Phenomenal success that came out of that. But making it personal, and that's what the spiritual journey is really about. It's an inner journey, and it, and it includes at the very heart of it a willingness to look deeply inside our, ourselves and to ask, how, how am I like that? How am I doing that? If I had been in that audience, would I have kind of been ridiculing her outwardly or, or just in my mind? You know, one of the judges, once um, she finished her song, and the judges voted on how they felt about her. I think the judge's name, beautiful young woman, Amanda, said, boy, you know, when you came out, Susan, it was as if we were all rooting against you and that everybody was very cynical. But what a major wake-up call that was for us. And so in our spiritual journey, it is very much about us looking deeply within and being willing to ask of ourselves, where am I falling short a little bit? Or where can I do a little bit better here? And so in the context of judging by appearances, appearances are deceiving for at least these four reasons. They show us only the surface of something. They don't show us or explain what went on before. They show us only a single point in time. And we tend to see through filters or through our own biases. The Apostle Paul said, I see through a mirror dimly. I see dimly. The spiritual journey is about learning to see more clearly so that we're judging rightly, judging fairly, if we judge at all. So the first point of why we can be so wrong when we judge by appearances is that they only show us the surface of something. They only show us the surface of something. I'm reminded of a true story of a soldier who came back after Vietnam. And he called his parents from the airport to say that he was back stateside and he wanted to come home. And he was very excited to come home. And of course, his parents were relieved and excited to be able to welcome their son home. And in the conversation, the son said to his parents, but I have a really close buddy, and that buddy was severely injured in Nam. He stepped on a landmine, and he lost his leg and part of his arm. And I want him to come home with me. I want him to come home. And the mother and father said, oh, that's fine. He can come home. We can have some dinner together. Be nice to meet your friend. And their son said, well, no, I don't want 
my friend just to come for dinner. I want my friend to come and live with us as if he is my brother because I feel that close to him. I want him to come and live with us. And his parents were quite taken back by that and said, well, dinner is one thing, but, but we're not prepared to be able to take somebody that is, is injured like that, that is handicapped like that with, with the loss of an arm and a leg. We, we can't possibly do that. That would just disrupt our entire lives. And so the, the son hung up the phone. And tragically, a few days later, his parents got a call from the San Francisco police that their son was dead. And when they came to the morgue to find out <clears throat> more about the circumstances of their son's death, they were told that he fell from a building and that they actually believed that it may have been suicide. And what they were shocked to discover, not just the horror of having lost their son, but when they did the confirmation of identifying that it was, in fact, their son, they were horrified because he was missing an arm and a leg. He was trying to paint a picture in advance to his parents of himself, but they were seeing and hearing just the surface of what he had to say. What a tendency we have as human beings to write people off, sometimes very consciously, as in the case of this story, and sometimes not even consciously, but to write people off based sometimes on their age or their gender or their sexual orientation or how they look if they don't look the way we think a person should look if they are disabled in some way, physically, emotionally, or mentally, we write them off. If they're too heavy, we might form all sorts of, of opinions about them, writing them off if their speech is different than ours or their ethnicity. And so, so much of our spiritual growth and maturity requires a real deep and honest looking within to uncover where we ourselves might be doing some of these very things and to work to eliminate them so that we can see more clearly through the eyes of love, through the eyes of kindness, through the eyes that connect heart to heart. The eyes can be so deceiving, and this is why Jesus and other spiritual teachers have said similar things. Do not judge by appearances. Appearances only show us a single point in time. And that's why they too can be so misleading. We can be so wrong because we judge something by a single point in time. We, we judge our lives perhaps by a single point in time, a single, a single horrible tragedy or event, and suddenly it's as if we've forgotten there was a before and there's a, 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 there was a before and there's going to be an after, but we judge just by this single point in time. And we can be so discouraged or so deflated instead of, as I often say, stepping back literally and or figuratively to try to take a bigger view, a longer view, that our life is not just a single moment in time, though we must live in this single moment, we must recognize that this single moment is a part of a beautiful continuum. And we can only understand some of it, but never really all of it 
To me, that is the mystery and the challenge, the mystery and the challenge of this beautiful thing that we get to call our lives. Appearances show just a single point in time. It's the message of that, that very classic Zen story that many of you I know have heard before of the, the wealthy man who owned a beautiful stallion. A wealthy man had, had a son that was his prize. He was so proud of him. And one day the son is out um, taking care of the stallion and he forgets to shut the gate. And the stallion leaves, and the neighbors all come to the master to say, what a tragedy this is. You've lost your prized possession. And the Zen master says, it is neither good nor bad. It just is. And a few days later, the stallion comes back with several beautiful mares. And of course, now they close the gate, right? And all of his friends and neighbors come back and are so excited for him now. Wow, you are so lucky. You are so fortunate. Look at this. The Zen master says, it is neither good nor bad. It really, it just is. And the next day, his son is out taking care of the stallion, and the stallion throws him, and he breaks his arm. And of course, the neighbors come back. It's horrible. Now you have your son injured, and he cannot help you. And of course, the story just goes on and on and on. With It's a moment in time that leads to the next thing, that leads to the next thing, that leads to the next thing. And it is so human especially when the thing that we're in in the moment is painful or traumatic or sad or negative, to get locked in there and to feel discouraged. And this is where our practice comes in, and we must say to ourselves, I am not going to judge this, my life by this moment. I'm not going to judge my life by what happened during the pandemic. I am not going to judge my life by the things I seem to have lost during this time. I'm going to realize that this time is giving birth to the next time. And I can always harvest some good in every single moment in time. We can be so wrong, so wrong. Appearances don't readily show or explain what went on before. Appearances don't give us the context in which whatever we are seeing happened, whatever we are seeing at any moment of, in time, had a before, and it's going to have an after. Don't judge people for the choices they make when you don't know the options they had to choose from. That's a powerful, powerful idea. Don't judge people for the choices they make when you don't know the options they had to choose from. We can look at somebody and think that they have made horrible choices, and maybe in some definition of that, there's some validity to it. But we cannot look at that choice in isolation from what that person had as their history, what they had as their options available to them at that moment in time. If we don't have the full picture, and we rarely even have enough of the picture, how dare we think that we have enough information to judge the choice another has made, if we don't know the full story, if we don't know everything they had to choose from. As I was adding this point in my notes yesterday, on Saturdays I always go back and, and re-look and rethink parts of my message. And 
as I was thinking about this idea that appearances don't readily show or explain what went on before, what came back so vividly in my mind was an incredible opportunity I had quite a number of years ago now to be with Ila Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi's granddaughter. I've been with Arun Gandhi. He's been here at the Unity Center a few times years ago. And I've been with his sister, um, Ila Gandhi, several times as well. And the very first time I met Ila Gandhi, we were having a conversation. It was part of a, a conference I was helping to design. And, and we were having a lunch break or something like that. And we were in conversation. And she was talking to me about some of the work she does in India. And she shared a, a very poignant story about how she was going into this very, very rural, very poor village somewhere in India to help the mothers to improve the quality of life for their children, particularly their very young children, because infant mortality and childhood mortality were very, very high. And as I remember the story, she was there to help them learn how to improve the quality of life for their children. And part of that included helping them to understand the importance of clean water and for, for drinking, for bathing, for all of these things. And as I remember her sharing the story, she was very honored and excited to be able to help educate these women. But it was also very humbling because she said one day, at one point before I got to speak to all of them, one of the women took me aside and said, essentially, before you judge us for how we treat our children, for whether we wash them often enough or not, what you must know is how far we have to walk to get the water that we use to do anything, whether it is water that we use to, to irrigate our crops, or whether it is water that we use to wash our babies or to drink ourselves for hydration. You don't know, you need to know the full pictures what this village woman was trying to say to Ila Gandhi. And it's the same point, isn't it? Don't judge people for the choices they make when you don't know the options that they have to choose from. When we judge just based on appearances, we are usually judging something out of context. And if we can just catch ourselves and say, wait a minute, what more might there be to this story? What more might there be to this person's life or their choices? If we were to do that, maybe we would soften a bit. And maybe we would listen a little bit deeper and a little bit longer. And maybe we could find an answer or be more helpful together. And the last idea is just a reminder that we all see through our filters. And we all have them. I have them. You have them. Some of our filters we are aware of. We are aware because we've done deep personal work or therapy work or um, in our meditations, it has become clear to us what some of our filters are. Sometimes we know our filters because of how we project onto others. What is it? What is it? said that what we are projecting onto another is some aspect of ourselves we have not come to terms with or that we are rejecting about ourselves. So for many of us, we have an idea of what some of our filters are, but we also have filters that we're not very aware of. Unconscious bias, 
filters that we have just absorbed from the very culture that we live in that has painted a certain picture for us without us even realizing it of what certain kinds of people must be like because of where they live or because of the color of their skin. And so if we can remind ourselves that I am always, I am always seeing through my filters and you are always seeing through yours as well. If we can remind ourselves of that, again, we might lessen the distortion of that filter and at least hold a somewhat larger, clearer picture. Remember, when I see you, I don't really see you as much as I want to see you. I see my you. When you see me, the same is true. You don't really see me. You see your version of me. And coming to grips with these kinds of things helps us, I believe, to begin to practice judging or discerning a little more rightly and perhaps a little more like Jesus was pointing to. Remember, he also said, why do you look and notice the log, the speck that is in your brother's eye, and you do not notice the log that is in your own? First take the log out of your eye, and then you will see more clearly. So it's pointing us back, not to make us feel bad, but to allow us to expand and to grow for the benefit that we will receive from every lesson we learn, to the good that we can help to share by our individual changed lives. And so we can ask ourselves questions when we catch ourselves being a little judgy. We can ask ourselves questions like, what am I seeing here that just isn't so? Or what am I missing? Am I missing something? What in me might be coloring this situation? Or what might have been the before that happened that I'm not aware of now? So I hope that maybe there's an idea or two that I've presented this morning or a question or two that I've suggested that you can take and use in a practical way in your life to be more committed to the personal and spiritual growth that I believe you want to see happen in your life. That is what our mission in unity, at least this unity center is really about. It's about transforming our lives. And when we do that, or as we do that, we can also be about healing the world with love. Namaste.